I appreciate every one of these folks, and uh, they're all dear friends of mine. I have known for many years, and I thank God for them. I thank God for Ben, Bishop Ben Laye, and Mama Joyce, and Judith, and Ruth, and Apostle Bright, and uh, Apostle O'Hennessy, and all of you folks. You're in my prayers every day. I don't take this lightly. I believe that we should pray for one another. And even though I don't know you by name, God knows you by name. And he loves you. And he cares for you. And I, I can tell by listening to Jamie, I know one of her giftings. She's a very strong prophet because she's black and white. Boy, you've had a rough time because you're, you're gray. You appear gray, and she's black and white. You know, you get somebody that, you know what, gray, that means, you know. But black and white is either right or wrong. And so you, you've been living all these years with somebody that's right or wrong. You've probably been wrong more than you've been right. There you go. I love Brother Randy. And Mama Pam. She, she is such a blessing, you know, for her to, and her and her husband, who's going to be with the Lord, to make the sacrifices that they have made so that today, today would not be today if it wasn't for the sacrifices that they made. And that's very important. Today, tomorrow won't be tomorrow unless you make the sacrifices that you need to make today and that's important and then uh apostle allen who is our director he's he's been a very dear friend of mine for many 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 years and we love him and appreciate him and and lauren clark uh she and i have worked together for years uh we've been close she's a spiritual daughter of mine and my <laughs> wife and we have known her for many many years and uh I, I was one of the ones that had the privilege to send her out into the mission field. And she actually has a room at our house called the Haiti Room. And uh, she knows she can come there anytime she wants to. And that's very important. That we all can love each other. I, I love the, what she said yesterday. Love! I had to do that. <laughs> if you were here yesterday, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've been, I've been giving her a rough time. You know, it, it is, I like what Mama Pam said. If we can't have fun, we got to. I don't know if this translates in, into Ghanese. Fuddy, fuddy duddies. Anybody know what a fuddy duddy is? You know what a fuddy duddy is? Fuddy duddy. No, not funny. Fuddy. That means you are. How would you say that? That is spelled frowning. Frowning? Yeah, yeah we call it fuddy-duddy. Fuddy-duddy. Yeah. You ain't no fun. A fuddy-duddy isn't any fun. You know, it's just got to always be serious. Even Jesus liked to have fun. Amen. Hey, you know Father God likes to have fun. If you don't believe he likes to have fun, look at somebody. 
Go ahead and look at somebody. <laughs> Tell me he, didn't, he doesn't like to have fun. He made you. <laughs> Amen. He made me. Praise God. Well, we love you and we thank God for you. Thank God for what you're doing here. Sierra Leone. Thank you guys. Nigeria. We pray for the continent of Africa. I've been to Kenya, Nairobi. Uh, we thank God for what he's doing in this continent. I believe your best days are ahead. I believe we have a lot of problems in America, but I believe the best days ahead for America. I believe for Jesus to come back, and I believe he is coming. Randy screamed that out this morning. I believe Jesus is coming, but he's not coming after a church that is weak. He's not coming after a church that is barely hanging on to survive. He's coming back after a church that is pumped up. I mean, full of dunamis, right? Dunamis, the power of the Holy Ghost that is going into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He's coming back for a church that is taking their neighborhoods, their families, their cities, their states, and their nation that is pumped. I mean, they are so powerful that when they walk down the street, people will get healed when their shadows fall on people. It won't be a just a move. It will become a lifestyle. It won't be an event that you go to on Sunday morning or once a year. It'll become a lifestyle in your day. You will see it, a lifestyle where the power of the Holy Ghost is going to move upon you and cause you to do great and mighty things. And it just become a natural thing. It won't be, the supernatural will become natural. Everybody say that with me. The supernatural will become the natural. It will just naturally take place. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm bringing up this last session today. And I need some participation, but I need some information so I can get some participation. How many of you here today operate in one of the five-fold gifts or manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. How many operates in one of those gifts? Okay. If you're here today and you don't feel like you operate in one of those gifts, don't be, don't be embarrassed to say, I'm here, I'm here for the conference, but I don't know if I'll operate in one of those gifts. Okay, so that means everybody either feel like you are or you're going to be or you're in training to be. One of the things that you need to understand, everybody here, now we put, we, we put titles on people, right? We hear titles all the time. Uh, I've been commissioned as an apostle of Jesus Christ. I, I understand that. Uh, how many of you think you're an apostle? Not condemnation, revelation. If you say, I'm an apostle, go ahead, raise your hand. It's okay. Don't be bashful about it. Because if, if you can't accept the gift, you won't never operate in the gift. Okay? You're an apostle. Ben, you're an apostle. He's a bishop, but he's an apostle. Men and women, now I'm going I'm I'm to break some through some eyes. Men and women can be apostles. I know that breaks some old culture. It breaks some old culture. Now, you've got to remember, with God, everybody say with God. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Bond, Bond, nor free, nor, free, 
male, male. nor female. See, our body has a gender. Our spirit is genderless. There's no gender in our spirit. Matter of fact, you hear God always, uh, when he talks about his body, he'll use the masculine sense. He's not, it's not because he's not talking to women. He's just talking to their spirit. He, he identifies the spirit of man. Man was made first. He, he, he identifies the spirit of man. Woman was made from man. So, so, so before woman became woman, she was in man. So she's man. And so he identifies them when he speaks to them in the masculine sense, saying, you got the power if you want to use it. See? Now, in this earth, we have, we have things that we have to adhere to in the kingdom of God even. You know, and I... Back from where I'm from, they'll say, a man is to be over a woman. Well, a man is to lead a woman. I found out most women ain't afraid to follow men if men aren't afraid to follow God. Hello. Women ain't looking for wimpy guys. You know what wimpy is? Does that translate? Sissy guys. That translates, don't it? And there's a lot of guys today that want to be sissies. They want, they want everybody to tell them what to do. Follow God. Let God speak to your heart. Obey God. And don't be afraid as you follow God. Because if you're not afraid to follow God, I promise you, your wife will follow you. My wife and I have been married come November this year, 49 years. My mom and dad, who's still in ministry, by the way, they're 88 years old. My dad can still preach up a storm. They've been married for 71 years. Wow. I come from longevity. I believe in marriage. I still believe divorce is a sin. Now hear me. So you say, well, I've been divorced. Well, God forgives. It's not an unforgivable sin. But just because it's not an unforgivable sin don't mean you ought to do it. Now, because I've always followed Jesus, this is what my wife has said to me. As long as you follow Christ, I will follow you. And that's important that we get that deep inside of our spirit. So we need to understand men need to be men in the masculine sense. Women need to be women in the feminine sense here on earth in this body. But in our spirit, our spirit man needs to operate with the gifting that God has given to that spirit man. That's why we have uh, kingdom principles. That's why we have apostolic government and I'm not going to talk about that today, but sometime when I'm here, when I'm just talking to pastors, I want to talk to about apostolic government. There is a, there, there, is, there is a spiritual hierarchy, but it's not the way most people see hierarchy. It's not that way. Because I'm here don't mean I'm the boss. It means I have to serve. See, the... Higher up the ladder you get, the means more you're going to have to serve. You have to turn to somebody and say, if you're part of the gift of God, you've got to serve. 
See, I'm, I've, been, I've been around church for a long time. I've been part of the religious structure of church. I can tell you about religion. I've been there. I got tired of it. I got tired of the hierarchy. See, I believe that when God's men and women come to him, I believe they understand that if they need to clean the church, they clean the church. Oh, I can't clean the church. I'm apostle. You apostle of what? Man, listen, if you're not willing to go clean the, the toilets, you need to humble yourself. See, I'm a firm believer. You heard Randy today talk about leaders. Here, let me give you two things leaders do. Leaders lead from the front. They don't lead from the back. They don't call a work day and say, you go work, but I won't be there. I'm too good to sweat. See, leaders will be the first one on the field. They'll be the first ones there, and they'll be the last ones to leave. They're not afraid. Leaders are not afraid to leave. Now, how many of you, I don't know if anybody ever watched any of the old westerns they used to make over in, in America, cowboy movies? Anybody ever seen a cowboy movies? You ever see the cavalry charge? They had a cavalry, the guy's riding on the horse, they're charging. Do you know where you will find the commander at? Up front. Leaders lead from the front. Take your index finger, point it at somebody and say, leaders lead from the front. You can't lead from the back. You lead from the front. I, I was uh, in the Marine Corps in, the, in the, the American military back in the 60s. One of my heroes in the Marine Corps, you, I know you wouldn't know him, but let me tell you about him. His name was Chesty Puller. Now, Chesty Puller was a buck private that made a three-star general. So he went from here to here. And in the Korean War, back in the 50s, he had a couple of his buck lieutenants, his first lieutenants, that were hiding behind a tree in a firefight, and he went, walked through the bullets flying everywhere, grabbed them, and picked them up, and said, you better lead your man, or i shoot you. So you can't lead hiding behind a bush. You can't lead always whining and crying. Woe is me. Man, it's, you know how tough it is. You know what I say to pastors when they tell me that? Suck it up. Man, you think we got it bad? Paul said, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been cast into prison. I've been snake bit. And you want to tell me about your little problems? Why we're not building the kingdom is because we're trying to build our church and because we can't build our church instead of his church, 
then we get mad at him because he's not allowing us to build his church. Because our church is all about numbers. Now, I, I like numbers. I like the book of numbers. <laughs> I think the more the merrier. But listen, if you're building on numbers, you can get some numbers that you may not want. David got real excited about his number. King David, you remember that? He, he, he told his, uh, his commander, said, go, number. I want to see just how many people I got. Woo! I got to brag to all these other kings and all these other nations just how big Israel is. And God had already told David, don't number the people. As a matter of fact, his general, his commander said, David, you shouldn't do that. You're not do that because that's God told you. No, I want to do it. Okay, he's under authority. And you remember what happened? God began, matter of fact, he sent the prophet to David and said, David, you got a choice. Either, either you can lose a lot of battles, you can let me handle it. And David said, I'd rather find myself in your hand. But he still lost a lot of people. A lot of people died because of David's mistake. So sometimes we get in we, we get in this political religious structure where we think we got to have the prettiest suits. That's one of the reasons. A lot of times I don't I'm at home every now and then I wear a suit, but you know sometimes suits can make us prideful. I see all these. I see them here. I see them everywhere. Everybody's got these harsh Schaffner mark. Those high dollar suits. I'm special. You can tell I'm special by the clothes I got on. Well, what about when the battle rages? What about when cancer strikes your body? What about when, when your family is devastated? What about when you lose a loved one? What about when sickness is around you? You lost your job. Your, your bank account's broke. You better know how to get in touch with God. You better know people that know how to get in touch with God. And if that's where you ought to be as a prophet of God or an apostle of God. You ought to say, I know how to get you to God. After, after Moses died and Joshua took over, Joshua got them into the promised land. Woo. I mean, they live, live in pretty good now. The boundaries have been set. Man, they're blessed. They're living in the land of milk and honey. And then Joshua died. You know, Joshua was a great man, but he made a fatal mistake. He didn't prepare the next generation. Remember me telling you yesterday, we better be more than just a me church. We better be a generational church. It ain't about what we do today. We're just, we're just part of the big puzzle, and it's about tomorrow. And in Judges, you'll find out that the Bible tells us that there arose another generation that did not know God. Why didn't they know God? Because the shepherds... Now, whatever you are, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, get this in your... In your, in your psyche in your brain you are a shepherd and matter of fact let me break it down a little bit further you are not the shepherd you are a shepherd you are a under everybody say under shepherd 
I don't care. You may be the biggest apostle in the world. You are an under-shepherd. You may, you may have the gifts of healings and miracles and people who and way over you. You're an under-shepherd. There's only one chief shepherd. Do you know who the chief shepherd is? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Say it loud. Jesus. Only one shepherd. Everybody else is under-shepherds. Now listen to this. Not only are you an under-shepherd, you're a sheep. Well, I train people. I train sheep so they can go get sheep. <laughs> uh, you're still a sheep. Well, I'm an apostle. No, you're a sheep that has a gift. That Christ, and it's and it not even your gift. It's Christ's gift that he gave you. Oh He's letting you use. He oh took you, help me, brother. He took you out of the sheepfold, yeah. and he said, now, I'm going to give you part of me. Mm. You're still a sheep. Mm. I'm going to let you be an apostle, mm. but I want you to lead my sheep. Mm. Don't, who is it? You, Alan, talking about driving the sheep, or it was you talking about driving the sheep? Mm. No, you lead the sheep. And how do you lead? In the front. You be the example. Don't tell your people to tithe and you don't tithe. Can I say that one more time? Don't, you better never preach tithing if you're not a tither. Well, you know, I'm the shepherd. I, I, I need, no. You better tithe. Well. I probably could meddle a little bit there, but I'm not. <laughs> See, we get hung up on things. What is a shepherd? A shepherd is somebody that's been taken from the sheepfold that's going to help the rest of the fold get to the right place they need to be. Now, if, you, if you're really a shepherd, now, remember, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, this is... Is that big here? It's really big in the States. Everybody, I tell people all the time, how do we know you're an apostle? They probably went and got a card printed up said, I'm an apostle. <laughs> had one of my dear mentors used to say that all the time. said, as far as I know, you just had your card printed up that you was an apostle. <laughs> well, how do you know an apostle is an apostle? They apostle. Yeah. How do you know, know a prophet's a prophet? They prophesy. <laughs> wow. How do you know a teacher is a teacher? They teach. How do you know an evangelist is an evangelist? They evangelize. So how do you, how do you know that a, that a pastor is a pastor? They smell like sheep. But everybody, whatever you are in one of those gifts, you still, you got to pastor people. Now, if we ever get to the place where we're not leading from the front, we, I have to smell like a sheep. I can try my best to not smell like a sheep, but I'm still going to smell like a sheep. You know why? I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Point to somebody and say, you're a sheep. Don't be ashamed of it. So a shepherd then is somebody that's been taken by God, called by God, to say, I want you to administer to my sheep in the New Testament you can be one of the fivefold giftings that God says, I want you to equip my sheep. But we got to be equipped. 
ain't amazing we get one of the position we don't want, we don't want to be equipped no more we still have to constantly be equipping and be equipped i'm 50 i'm 70 years old been in ministry almost 50 years i find out every day i still need equipping that's right i don't have it all you don't have it all i only have a part and i need your part and your part to give my part so i can get what i need See, we just, we, 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 this religious stuff. Listen to what Ezekiel said. Ezekiel 34, 7 and 10. Now the Lord's speaking here. He said, therefore, you spiritual, and I'm reading now the Amplified, you spiritual shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, says the Lord, certainly because my flock has become prey. My flock now, remember, that's singular, that's only one. There's no S there. Because why? There's only one body. Everybody say one body. one body. Only one. That's the kingdom body. Remember we talked yesterday, there's only one special, special group. That's the kingdom group. I don't care what your culture was or is. It better stop becoming the culture of heaven. If you're not learning how to be a, a, a kingdom citizen, you're missing the mark. If you, listen, I pastor a church that, that 80% is black in America. I tell our people all the time, lay down your black culture. My white folks, I say lay down your white culture. We got Spanish people. Lay down your Spanish culture. Well, but that's who I am. No, that's who I was. April the 3rd, 1969, I died. I was buried. I was resurrected. I became a... What? Go ahead. Somebody said it. New creation. Oh, what kind of creation did I become? I become a kingdom creation now if i'm kingdom i better start learning how to be kingdom i better start learning what is the culture of my king no matter where i live no matter where i'm from no matter what the color of my skin is uh, no matter where I, uh, how i was raised i better learn what king jesus said that i am that's right and if i do that then and if you do that then all of a sudden what we don't have a problem Racism can't get in with us. Why? Because we're, we're the same race. <laughs> we're kingdom race. Wow. Economics can't divide us. Why? Oh, we got, the, we got heaven behind us. We got king, the kingdom of God behind us. And by the way, God's kingdom policies are pretty good, and I ain't even got time to go there. <clears throat> but now listen. This is what Ezekiel, God is speaking to Ezekiel. My flock has even become food for every predator of the field for lack of a shepherd. Well, that's pretty stout, isn't it? My flock, the people that you're called to shepherd, now, this is not condemnation, because I, I, I don't know you personally, so I'm not saying this is you, but I'm saying in the body of Christ. They, the flock has become food for predators. 
we lose people and we get mad at people and we don't care that we lose them. Well, just let them go to hell. I'm guilty. Amen. I've been in prayer meetings where I heard pastors praying, God, kill them! They've been mean to me. I wipe them out! Now, in the Old Testament, they would do that, but we, we're living under grace, 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 and more grace. How many of you want God? How many of you have ever messed up in your life? Have you ever messed up? Would you want God to kill you for your mess up? There's got to be a lot of love. You heard Lauren talk about that yesterday. God loves us, but he wants us to have that same love. I was telling them yesterday on the way back to the guest house, years ago when I pastored a church, my wife and I in Amarillo, Texas, up in the panhandle of Texas, I've always prayed from the time God saved me, I've been an intercessor, because whatever else you are, you're an intercessor. If you don't know how to pray, you're in trouble. Because prayer does change things. So I'm at this church, and we're right on what we call the interstate, Interstate 40, which is a major interstate in America. Church is right on the interstate with two stories, beautiful cathedral type. And in the, we had a baptistry behind the pulpit, big baptistry, and black, beautiful lava stone with a white cross and lights behind the right. And I just love to go there at night and turn all the lights off of that cross light and I would just pray, and I would just seek God. Man, I'd have time, and I'm praying one night there, and all of a sudden God says, say, but I love you. I'm, I'm kind of like one was yesterday. You know. and, and I felt the Holy Spirit screaming at me, say, but I love you. So I go, but I love you. And all of a sudden from the balcony, I heard sobs unbeknowing to me a young lady who her and her husband were getting divorced saw a car parked at the church and she thought that maybe the pastor was there but she when she came to the door she saw I was in prayer so she snuck up to the balcony and she's heard me praying and she said God nobody loves me and in that moment when God spoke to me, and I hollered out, but I love you. <laughs> she got saved, her husband got saved, her children got saved, their, their marriage got spared. He's going to be with the, Lord, with the Lord. But Dorothy Fuentes, to this day, sends me a birthday card, my wife a birthday card, and, gives, and sends us a Christmas card, always remembering that day when God spoke to her and said, but I love you. See, as shepherds, we have to be sensitive to the voice of God to know what to say and when to say and not be so dogmatic and mean to people. Oh, I've been mean to people. I could cut you deep. I could cut you long, and I could cut you continuously. I knew the Word of God. I've always been a student of the Word, but the student of the Word that I was is what I wanted to hear. I was legalistic. Listen, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, what did he write them on? 
The sad part about the body of Christ, we still got those stone tablets. Hope you get this. God says, I want to take away the stony heart. And I want to give you a fleshly heart. Same commandments. But now they're written on a heart of flesh. That is able to be sensitive. And able to be nice to people. And now, listen. Did you hear the change in Jamie's existence from the time they first started? When she said, shut the door. I've been to their church. I know what kind of lady she is now. Though her... Her body and mind say, I want to kill you. Her spirit would come up and put her arms around him and say, I love you. Unconditionally. See, sometimes what a person needs is just somebody to love them. And a young girl five weeks ago got saved in our church. She's 19 years old, already got a baby and divorced. She had missed a Sunday, had missed a Wednesday night, got filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of tongues just a few weeks ago, or actually Wednesday night a week ago. And I got with one of the other men, and I said, now listen, honey. They go, she's a beautiful girl. I mean, drop-dead gorgeous. Ten. I know what guys got on their mind. I'm not a dummy. I said, now listen, young lady. My name is Pastor Mitchell. This man right here is Pastor Fidel. If some old man comes around you, you tell them they got to pass our inspection. <laughs> Listen, if you're a pastor, don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Don't let the sheep, the, your, your sheep, let the old wolves come in. Don't be afraid to tell a lady. I've told Lauren. I said, the basic guy is a scuzzball. The basic guy. Yeah, you know I have. She had some, can I tell the story? When she worked with me, she had this old boy that wanted to take her fishing. And she loves God. She's pure. She's holy. She loves God. Man, this guy, he, he wants to take me, he really wants to take me fishing. And I said, Lauren, she don't, he don't want to take you fishing? Yes, he does. I said, no, he don't. But he had his own yacht. Yeah. So I said, go ask him if he's got anything else on his mind other than fishing. She came back and said, you're right. Yeah, and she didn't go fishing with him. Because his wanted to go someplace other than fishing. How long? Tell, the, tell, you, tell you young ladies, guys, mamas of the church, daddies of the church, to say if some old guy wants to wash your car, he really ain't interested in washing your car. Oh, but he comes to church. So? How do you know that I was a young guy one time and don't look at me like that? I got a history. <laughs> oh. See, shepherds have got to protect our flock. We, got, we, we can't become just so interested in getting their, their money that we stop. And listen, how, how do I protect them? You pray for them every day. You don't take it. Listen, when God 
put somebody in the church that I pastor, I don't take it lightly. When somebody puts somebody in this fellowship, I don't take it lightly. They become part of my prayer. I feel obligated to pray. You know why? The Bible tells us, said that you better adhere to the, to, to, to the man of God who gives you, who teaches you in the word and you better respond to that because if you don't, he has to give an account to me for what you're doing. And most shepherds don't understand. They've got to give an account to God for what they're doing. But we live in a day and time when nobody wants to be accountable. Listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at nobody, right? Sometimes I preach, my wife says I look mean. That's because I was in the Marine Corps. You know, Marines don't smile. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now go back to Ezekiel 34. My shepherds did not search for my flock. Can I read that one more time? My shepherds did not pluck, did not search for my flock. See, I know what Randy is telling you is true because I've been with him when he's done it. I walked in the snow with him. I walked with him when he first getting started and they did cuss you. I walked with him last year, January a year ago, and I saw them when they were giving him high fives. Makes a difference. See, but what, what counts in the life of a shepherd is consistency and searching for, how do you search for your flock? Now, I can't make nobody come to my church. I understand that. You understand. Somebody comes to me and says, God's moving them. I said, give me a letter. Write me a letter. Why? I want to show that letter to God. God, they, they, they left on their own will. They wanted to go to another foe. They left on their own will. So I'm not accountable for them no more. See this letter? They, they, I'm not accountable no more. Because I take this serious. God holds me accountable. Every man, woman, boy, and girl that he puts in my life, puts in our church, puts in this fellowship, I am accountable for. Do you know you're accountable for so you, how do you search for them? You pray for them. You cover them with prayer. You feel their pain. You feel their hurt. You feel their, when they're disconnected. And you cry out to God. Holy Spirit of God. Send somebody there to help them. And he will. That's how you search. You leave the 99 and go after the one. But rather the shepherds. Oh, listen to this. Rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock, did not feed my flock. Therefore, you spiritual shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, behold, I am against those shepherds. And I will demand my flock from them. He said, I'm going to rip the flock from you. And I will make my flock stop tending the flock, so that the shepherds cannot feed themselves on them anymore. That's powerful. Read it. And I will rescue my flock from their mouth so that they will not be food for them. 
Now, let me tell you something. First thing I do, let me tell you what I do when somebody leaves my church. I look in. What have I done? It's easy to say, look what they're doing. What have I done? How did I mess up? What, where did I fail them? See, I, I'm, I'm just one of these guys that believe even in my marriage, if my marriage would go south, it's not my wife's fault, it's my fault. Because I'm the man. I'm the leader on earth. Spiritually, we're equal. But I'm the leader, so it's my fault. So if something messes up in my church, it's got to be my fault, so I'm going to look in. Then if it's, I, I know that I've obeyed God and I've not m- messed up, then, then I can begin to release them to God, praying for God to bless them. Now, let me give you a little, a, a little help here. When people do wrong, release them to the vengeance of God. Is that what Jesus said? Vengeance of mine, I will repay. I had a converted Muslim. Help me understand this scripture. And then the Holy Spirit enlightened me further on it. Don't be afraid to say somebody's name and say, I release you to the vengeance of God. Because God doesn't see vengeance the way we do. We see vengeance as getting even. I'll get you. God's not interested in getting anybody. He's interested in restoring everybody. So when you release them to God, God then can begin to do His work. And sometimes it may look like He's getting even, but in reality, all He's doing is restoring them, getting them to the place where they will submit to Him, not you. Shepherds. Jeremiah 23.1 now, if I'm not through at three, <clears throat> Brother Apostle Bright, you stop me. Because I, I, sometimes I get going and I forget about time. Listen to what Jeremiah wrote about this. Now, he's, he's, he's in kinship with Ezekiel, because same God's writing it. Woe to the shepherds. Now, now, I like the way it's translated here, the civil leaders or rulers. Because that's where you are in the kingdom of God. See, now you've got to understand, we're not talking about the, the physical realm, but the spiritual realm. So you're a leader, God taking you from the sheepfold to be a leader. Now listen to what he says. Who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. Now, not condemnation. Everybody say not condemnation. Not condemnation. But Revelation. The God of Israel, in regard to the shepherds who care for and feed my sheep, you have scattered my flock, you have driven them away, and have not attended to them. See, we get caught up in the religious political structure of church and not kingdom. We think the sheep are there to minister to us. Come over and mow my yard. Now, if they want to mow your yard, there's nothing wrong. I've got a man in our church that 
He lost his job. I said, take my lawnmower, take my, take my weed eater, take my blower, take my weed vacuum. You take it and use it. He said, great, I'll do it. And for that, I'll take care of your yard. I didn't ask him to. He volunteered to. Come over and clean my house. They don't have to clean your house. Now, if they want to, there's nothing wrong with it. But don't ever get to the place where you expect it. Well, I'm the bishop. I'm the apostle. They ought to, they ought to come on, shine my shoes. I'll shine anybody's shoes if I want to. I worked for a guy one time, and I love him. He's very dear to me. And he was driving up on his church parking lot. Get in my car. Yes, sir. You know what? You see that piece of paper laying out there in the parking lot? If I wanted to make you, you would have to go get it. I said, first of all, you can't make me do anything. Second of all, stop the car and I'll go pick it up for you. No, 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 I don't want you to do it. I just, I just, I just had to tell you that I was in charge. Well, I knew he was in charge. He didn't tell me he was in charge. Y'all make any sense? Anybody here ever had anybody over you like that? Think about it. Don't become like them. I don't care how big their church is, don't you become. Just because somebody got a big church, don't make them right. Matter of fact, you read the New Testament, the Pharisees had some of the, and the Sadducees had some of the biggest churches in the temples in every city in, 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 the, in the known world at that time. But they sure wasn't right. And the, the people that were right was in the, in the houses and they was hidden in the graves and they was having to run for their lives just to make it another day. But those are the ones that changed the world and literally brought down the Roman government. Little is much. If God is in it. <laughs> Amen. You have scattered my flock. You have driven them away. I have not attended them. Hear this. I am about to visit and attend to you for the evil of your deeds, says the Lord. Now I am going to prophesy to you something. Mark it down this day. Write it down somewhere. Word of the Lord. is not my word. It's word of the Lord. You are fixing to see judgment hit the house of God. Now, he's not doing it to belittle us. He's doing it to judge us so that we'll begin to do it his way. We've been doing it our way for 2,000 years. We've been building our kingdom instead of his kingdom. We've done it in his name, but in reality it was ours. And God said, I'm tired of it. I'm going to visit you for your iniquity. You thought, because I kept silent, he told Isaiah, that I was just like you. But let me tell you something. I'm fixing to come, and when I come, I'm going to set things in order. So let me tell you, before he sets it in order, can I just say something to you? Get in order. That's what gets me up every morning at the crack of dawn, most of the time, 4 o'clock. That's the first thing I do when I get out of bed. Let me tell you what I do. First thing I do, I get on my knees. I don't go to the bathroom first. And I quote the Lord's Prayer. You say, well, why do you quote the Lord's Prayer? Because Jesus said to the disciples, when you pray, say. 
Everybody say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread. Oh, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For it is your kingdom, your power, your glory, forever and ever. Amen. And then I jump up, I get to attention, and I say, Sir, Eddie Mitchell's reporting for duty today. I've been doing that for over 30 years. He is the commander-in-chief of the universe. Oh, you say, well, I don't have to do that. No, you don't have to do that. It might not hurt you if you did. Now listen. Now, after the judgment comes, let me tell you, we can fix and see one of the greatest revivals the world has ever known. Right, right the, this part, the second part to this prophecy. We're fixing to see the greatest revival the world has ever known. Take your index finger and point it at somebody and say, you can be part of that. Sierra Leone's going to have revival. Nigeria's going to have revival. Ghana's going to have revival. Kenya's going to have revival. Uh, the Congo's going to have revival. America's going to have revival. Europe's going to have revival. Why? Because God's got a remnant in every nation, 193 nations on the earth. God's got a remnant there praying just like you're praying, believing God just like you believe. We're not by ourselves. We're not the only one. God's got a crowd, and they've just been waiting for Elijah to show up and say, Here I am. They have not bowed a knee to Baal. They have not worshipped false gods. They're saying, we're here. We're ready. We're ready to go. You can be a part of that. I feel in my spirit you are a part of that. Revival's coming. Say it out loud. Revival's coming. Say, God's going to restore. Just pardon me a minute. I got a little three-year-old adopted grandson. His mama was a prostitute. My son and his wife talked her out of aborting the baby, and now the baby is really ours. We have legally adopted him, but he's ours. His name is Micah. He's a little black boy. He's mine. He come up and hug Peppy. The other day I was with him. I just got praying in the Holy Ghost. He so And he looked at me for a minute, then he started going, la 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 My wife said, Did you hear that? I said, Yeah. She said, Should we stop? I said, No. Let him go. Let him speak. She said, listen. I've been to Haiti many times. Lauren's there. I've been I've been in prayer meetings in Haiti where there's two thousand plus people praying. I've seen little boys. Like that little boy right there. And the little, little girls like that little girl there. They're up at the front. They're praying. And they're You know why? Because they know when they pray, God, give me today my daily bread. They're not asking for a new car. They're not asking for a new house. They're not asking for a raise and a paycheck. They're saying, God, I need something to eat today.
Now, revival's coming. Say it again. Revival's coming. Now, listen in verse 3. This God talking. Tell somebody, take that in this thing and say, this God's talking. I'm going to listen to this now. Then I, who's I? God, Father, Yahweh, Elohim, El Shaddai. Woo! Uh, he said, then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the country. Now, I understand the, the, the literal significance of this. I'm not a dummy. I'm a Bible scholar. He's talking about the Jews. But can I tell you that in the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and in the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Or what does he say? He said, my people, I got saved. I'm the seed of Abraham now. So who is he talking about? He's talking about me. He's talking about you. My people. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock. Those that have been praying in every country, 193 countries on the face of the earth, all those that have been praying, some of them, do you know, most people don't know this, North Korea, the capital, I can't pronounce the, the name, but did you know the capital of North Korea was one time called the Jerusalem of the East? There were more churches there than any other place per capita. Do you, that, do you not believe there's a remnant still there crying out in the basements, crying out in the woods? Let me tell you, God's got a part of His flow, part of His flock, part of His flock everywhere. Don't you discount any. In Russia, there's a church crying out. In Afghanistan, there's a church crying out. In Iran, in Iraq, there's a church crying out. In Israel, there's a church crying out. I'll gather my flock out of all the countries which I have driven them. Why did he drive them there? To get them away from the wicked shepherds. And I will bring them back. Everybody say, bring them back. To their foes. Now look, look at this. I will gather my remnant of all my, what? Verse 3. Flock. Singular. Everybody say singular. Only one flock. Only one kingdom. Not many kingdoms. One kingdom. And now he said, I'm going to bring them back to their what? Foes. All of a sudden, he says, plural. Everybody's got a place. Turn to somebody, take that index finger and say, everybody's got a place. My place is Montgomery, Alabama. Their place is Baraboo. I'd love to have them in Montgomery. I know they can't come to Montgomery, but I would love, but I tell you, what if I said, you come to Montgomery, he's already told me he'll do it. And I believe him. True. Now, I'm, I'm the type of person who believes everybody ought to be in Montgomery. <laughs> I tell people all the time, there's three types of people in the world. There are born in Montgomery, those who moved to Montgomery like I did, and there are those who spend the rest of their life wishing they could be there. <laughs> and listen, Pastor, if you don't feel that way about your city, you better find a city you feel that way about. Because you won't win your city if you don't feel that. If you're not willing to die for your city, you ain't going to win your city. My wife and I moved there. We, we moved from a six-figure job. We built our first home in Flower Mounds, Texas. At the time, Flower Mound was one of the top five places in America to live. We had 3,000-something square feet. I was preaching somewhere every 
Sunday around the world. I spent more time, more time in hotels preaching for people around the world than I did, than I did at home. Loved my job. Knew that God was transitioning. I didn't know what. I didn't know how. I didn't understand. I just kept feeling this rumble. Then driving through Montgomery one day. Montgomery? I didn't know I had an ancestor, as I told you yesterday, that had died there that God had made promises to. And God said, come plant a church. Do you know what it cost my wife and I and my children to plant that church? Everything we had. nothing cars bank accounts houses i'd go out and preach i'd went three years without taking the salary from the church i went i'd go out and preach and bring money back instead of paying my bills pay the church bills and i never got up in the pulpit and browbeated the people she'd get mad at me this little lady Missionary. She's the givenest missionary you'll ever find in your life. She came by one weekend. Dorsey and I took her out. She don't know it. We didn't even have money to really take her out. Eat. We had to borrow from Paul to pay Peter. I know nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> she got up and said she had to go to the bathroom. She came back and she had a little piece, piece of paper. She folded and she slid it to me and said, I don't want to hear a word from you. She's talking to her papa. I don't want to hear a word from you. I didn't, Brad, I, didn't, I didn't poor mouth her. I don't want to hear a word from you. God told me to do this. And I got to do what God told me to do. She emptied her savings account. And wrote a check. I got to tell the number. I'm sorry. Too. I'm, I'm going to embarrass. I'm going to embarrass. She wrote a check for $10,000. She didn't know it. I was two months behind on the rent and didn't know how I was going to pay it. See, you come too late. It's going to cost you. If you're not willing to give it all, if you're not willing to die for what you believe in, she died for what she believed in. She went to, to, to Haiti and she ministers to little boys and little girls and she loves them. I mean, she's a mama. She's as much a mama as anybody. She's got kids all over. I had a friend of mine in, down in, in, in Orlando. Dan Catrone, you know him. I'm going out to preach for another friend because, man, we're, we, well, God, what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? A friend in California called me. He get, I preached two times for him. He gave me $10,000. Now that's 20. And let me tell you, the guy, I, my dad's at my house staying with us for a while. And he said, you got a letter from Dan Catron. I said, great. Open it. See what it is. $10,000. $30,000 came in in a matter of weeks. What are you talking about money? I'm telling you, whatever your need is, God will supply. And if you're not willing to give it all, they're willing to work. If you're not willing to be like Paul and me and Tents, 
It's going to cost you everything. You just get, get ready. If you're going to be in ministry, it's going to cost you everything you got. And if you're not willing to pay the price with everything, then you're in the wrong business. You're not called by God. Go ahead and get a job. Be a king. Give to other men and women who are called to be priests. Hello? Don't be afraid to go get a job. A lot of people, oh, oh, I got a hobby horse here. Can I pick it? Can I ride this horse for a minute? A lot of people want to get in ministry because they're too lazy to work. Woo! You can say amen on me. I met dozens of them. Well, I had to go get a job. Well, if you work in your job, God will make provision for you. Stop staying at home. Now, I don't know what y'all do here, but in, in, in America, they stay at home and drink Coca-Cola and eat Snickers. Think they've got to get up and preach on Sunday. And then they wonder why they don't pray, they don't read, they don't study. Do you know the average pastor in America only prays 15 minutes a week? God, help us! I bet you it's not much different than that in Ghana. Well, I'm too busy. Oh, my people know they don't, they don't mess with me from four to eight. That's my time. That's me and God. I get my earplugs on. I get the Bible going and I get on my gazelle. And man, I'm in there for several hours. Oh man, I'm praising. I'm seeking God. Oh, then I put on some gospel music and, and I begin to shundai. Woo! They told me yesterday I woke them up. I didn't know I was waking them up. I was just walking around that guest house. Man, and I got to listen to music I got beside myself. They told me I woke them up. Well, they needed to get up. What did Jesus tell his disciples? Can't you watch? For one hour, just one hour. Can you do it for one hour? Only one. Only one. Come on, can I be honest today? The men and women of God need to get their lazy honeys out of bed and get before Almighty God and say, God, I'm reporting for duty. Is this all right? Still love me? Well, you got to love me anyway if you're a Christian. And I will bring them back to their foes and pastures. Now, pastures represent, what does it represent? Yeah, sheep, but it represents, that's where they eat. Yeah, pastures, pastures. I was tongue-tied, so my words don't always come out right. I can really mess up when I try to talk my messages to text. I have to check them, because they can be real bad. That's what the sheep eat. You know the sheep supposed to eat in your house? How can they go out strong and healthy and, and get other sheep to come to their foal if they're not healthy? Well, listen, I'm, I'm probably like you. I preach hard. I, give, I mean, I, 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 I disciple. I got people in my church that disciple. And I get tired of people always, always needing prayer. They're always sick. Well, why don't you just go ahead and do this. Say, lay your hands on yourself and pray for you. Heal me, Jesus. 
always they won't pay their tithes and they won't give them the offering. Then they wonder why they broke. Now I don't I don't know if y'all got a welfare system here, but in America, they they're they're eager to live on five or six hundred dollars a month that the government will give them. I don't want no handout from no government. My God said I'm better than that. I work for the King of Kings, and my King pays good. God has always met my needs. He may not always done it when I thought he ought to do it, but he's always done it. Got to make a way in the desert. See? Say, sheep of my pastures. I'm going to bring them to the fold and I will set up now. Oh, how many of you want to be one of these shepherds? I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. See, I don't want to come under the judgment of God. I want to come under the blessings of God. Everybody say that with me. I don't want, say it with me. I don't want to come under the judgment of God. I want to come under the blessings of God. And I will set shepherds over them who will do what? The shepherd's going to do what? What was the other shepherd doing? Getting food from them. Well, you got to feed me. I'm the apostle. You got No, I'm supposed to be feeding you. Everybody, we're in this day and time, and I believe it's dispensation. I believe God's raising up fathers. But fathers take care of their children. Children don't take care of their fathers. If you want to be a daddy, a spiritual daddy, you better ask God to bless you so you can take care of your kids. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that a man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. Listen, I am Abraham of my household, Mitchell household. My boys, when they was growing up, they knew what daddy was going to do at four o'clock in the morning. And I would come in and they didn't like it. I'd lay my hand on their heads and they looking at me with one eye. God bless Jonathan! God bless Zachary! And on Friday, whether they liked it or not, they was going to go to church and pray with me. Oh, I don't want to force them. Well, that's all I'm going to say about that. But let me tell you, my boys married two great girls. I got two great daughter-in-laws. One of them was supposed to have been here this week. Great preacher, operation worship leader. Oh, man, heaven comes down and she prophesies. My other daughter-in-law, her and her husband, my son, they're executive pastors of the church, but he owns a business. Man, God's blessing them. Man, they're, they're kings right now. They said, Dad, we'll be a priest later right now. Just let us be a king. My other son, he owns a business and the, the married to the praise and worship leader, and she, she, she's blessed, and, and, but it didn't just happen. Yeah. They paid the price, too. They moved, too. They, they lost all they had, too. They was willing to say, I, I, matter of fact, I told them after about two months in Montgomery, I said, listen, y'all go ahead and go back to Texas and get your old jobs back. They said, Daddy, you misunderstood something. We didn't come here because of you. We come here because God told us to come with you. And now they're our biggest givers in our church. Child in the way they should go. When 
parents come to me and say, my child's lost, they're going, they're going astray, I always ask them one thing. Did you raise them right? And they said, yes. I said, let me tell you something. I got a promise for you. The Bible said, train up a child in the way they go. When they get old, they're going to come back. How do you know? I got history. I was one of those that ran. But I had a mom and daddy that knew how to pray. March of 1968, I was blown up, either by a grenade or RPG. They don't know which one. I got nine pieces of metal from my waist to my neck. I still got a piece of metal in my left lung field. I was dying. See, this is real to me, folks. I was dying. I shouldn't be alive. But I had a mama who God woke her up, an angel of the Lord, showed her where I was wounded. When I came home, she pointed to every scar I had before she saw it. Because she'd already seen it in prayer. And said, pray for Eddie, the devil trying to take him out. And she got on her knees and prayed. And let me tell you something. God came to my rescue. You come too late to tell me God's not God. How many of you got a history? You got a history with God? Oh, just say, I got a history with God. I have pastors and missionaries call me all the time. I don't know how we're going to make it. Oh, I do. What do you mean? I, I've been around you for a while. I've already seen what God's done in your past. That's your history. And if God blessed you in your history, what makes you think he's not going to bless you in your future? Woo. <laughs> No, oh, I gotta go. Somebody's getting something right now. Somebody, you know who I'm talking to. It really penetrating your heart right now. Said I will set up shepherds who will feed them. Now listen. And there's three things, and I'm going to have to hit these real lightly. Next time I come, I may just spend the whole session, not Saturday, but next year on this. And they will not be afraid any longer. They'll not be, the King James, New King James says dismayed. The Amplified says terrified, but it means the same, confused. And there would be none missing, or there would not be any lack. See, here's the revival that's coming. Shepherds that's going to know how to feed the right food. What is the right food? Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. <laughs> Fill my cup. Fill my cup, Lord. Fill it up. Oh, come on. Just take your hands and raise them up and say, Bread of heaven, feed me right now. Let my cup overflow. Do we have somebody can play a little bit? Is there somebody? Is there any of the musicians here? If somebody knows how to play, play. If you don't, that's okay. Hear me, saith the Lord. I am your God, and I will not forsake you. Fear not. 
1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. For I do not want you to be unaware, believers. Everybody say believers. That our fathers were all under the cloud in which, in which God's presence, oh, get this, went before them and they all passed miraculously and safely through the Red Sea. And all of them were baptized unto Moses into his safekeeping as their leader in the cloud and the sea. And all of them ate the spiritual food and all of them drank the spiritual drink for they were drinking from a rock which followed them and that rock was Jesus. How do I eat the bread? If I'm going to feed the sheep, how do I give them the bread? I got to be eating that same bread that they eat. How do I give them water to drink? I got to be drinking that same water they drink. How are you going to take your nation? <laughs> By the bread of heaven. You're going to begin to feed the people of, in your flock in Nigeria here. You begin to feed them the word. Jesus said, I am the word. You heard Pastor Allen talk about it yesterday in 1 John. He said, and the word was made flesh. Or in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And in him was life. And the life was the light of the world. Don't tell me you can't do it. If God put his call on you, you can do it. You need to understand you're a good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. But you're a shepherd that God wants to use to feed the sheep. Why? Why? Do you know your sheep are afraid? That little girl that came to our church five weeks ago gave her heart to God. She was scared, shaking scared. She found peace. Why did she come back to the church ever? See, I can't make people come to church, but if the reason she comes and brings people with her every Sunday, I can't get some of the old dudes to do that. Now, we got a double whammy where I live at because, see, I'm white and, and most of my church is black. So all the black people in Montgomery says, what are you doing going to that white church? And they tell them, it ain't a white church. It's a kingdom church. And God can put in the pulpit whoever he wants to. If he wants to put a black man, Spanish man, Asian man, or somebody from Mars, from Mars if there's anybody in Mars, he can do it. It's his church. He can put there who he wants to. We got to get off the black and the white and the brown and round eyes and slant eyes. Come on, we got to get past that. We belong to Jesus. Don't we, son? Yeah, you're my brother. Yeah, I'm just Pappy. My whole church calls me Pappy Mitchell. I'm just Pappy Mitchell. (laughs) Yeah. See? Give them something. Give them the word. Stop preaching. Stop, stop going to, to Westminster pulpits. I don't know if y'all have those here. Getting a message that somebody else wrote. And there's nothing wrong with that. But pray over it and make it your message. Man, get, 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 spend some time in prayer. See, you know when I start studying for Sunday? 
Sunday afternoon for the next Sunday. Every morning, when I'm out of prayer time, I say, okay, God, what do you want me to say? I begin to mill it, build it in my spirit. To, by the end of the week, I've got it all ready. I, I can just go in there and boom, 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 top it out in about 20 minutes. Now, I just didn't do 20 minutes worth of studying. There's hours and hours and hours. But it's not just reading the book. And matter of fact, for the last several years, God said, just don't read anything but the Bible. And that's pretty much what I've done. Now, I don't think nothing's wrong with reading books. I, I like to read books. But that's just what God, God for a season had me totally in his word. Every day. In his word. Why? Because now I not only have a church to feed. We have a fellowship that is global outreaching and becoming bigger every day. And when God laid on my heart to start River's Edge International, he said, the one thing that I want you to do is make sure you get rid of all of the glitter. And the word he used, and you may understand it or may not, he said, don't let Hollywood be in it. It ain't about being a movie star. Can I, can I take five more minutes? Please? I'm sorry. I'm going to pray for everybody. But I got to tell you, about a, two years ago, and I don't normally take time. I, I, I surrendered the house, but I asked. He said I could. He said I could. Listen, my son and I was in a war room. Anybody know what a war room is? He was a Marine too, my oldest son. He's our executive pastor. I was a Marine. So we was in there, we was, we was looking at maps and writing up an op order how we could, in this dream, old man dream dreams, in this dream, and we was going to take, how, how can we take Montgomery in the state of Alabama and then the world? And all of a sudden, a very dear friend of mine, I don't know if you know him or not, you may know him, you may have at least heard of him, a guy by the name of Chuck Pierce, great prophet of God. In the dream, he come barging in, in the room, Eddie! The only way you're going to take this city, this state, and the nation is with the principle of three. <laughs> I woke up, principle three. I get on my phone, Chuck, text him. Hey, what does the principle of three mean? I don't know. <laughs> I called some of our apostolic elders. What does the principle of three mean? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Yeah, I believe that, but that ain't it. That happened in November. The following October, I'm at a conference where Chuck Pierce is actually preaching. And I said, have you thought any more about it? He said, no. Well, while he is preaching, he began to talk about the Judah principle. And when he talked about the Judah principle, he said, for us to take our nation, we got to use the Judah principle, which is a principle of three. He stopped. I got it. I got it. He and I had a good little fellowship afterwards. You want know to you know what the principle of three is? Because I believe it will help you take your nation. Apostolic anointing. You've got to have the government of the apostle. I'm not talking about doctrine of whether it's oneness or trinitarian. I'm talking about government. Governmental mantle. 
And what's so bad, so many people that have that governmental mantle, they act like government in our country. They think it's all about them and they rob the people blind. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Principle number two, are you ready? Prophetic guidance. Every apostle needs a prophet, but make no mistake about it, every prophet better submit to an apostle. Principle number three. That's right. Are you ready? Radical. Everybody say radical. Radical. Worship. Listen to me. I don't care who you are. And these young ladies did a great job. Listen to me. God's not interested in entertaining anybody. And we, the church, have raised up entertainers. People who know how to sound right and look right and make the right moves. God's not interested in entertainers. He's interested in men and women who are sonnets, who are spent down before God. And when they open their mouth, the Holy Spirit goes out. Hmm. Three things, what are they? You better write those down. That's for every pastor. That's for every nation. I believe, I believe it is a prophetic word to the nations. We better begin to act governmental. And I have to say this, I'd be remiss if I didn't, but not like the governments we're used to. Haiti just had a great uprise just because the government wanted to raise their, triple their gas prices. So put a little bit more money in the Presidente's pocket. They had a revolt. Now, whether you know Donald Trump or like him or not, let me tell you one thing, he's cleaning the swamp and he's taking the money out of the politician's pocket and giving it back to the people. Listen, Malachi, one of my favorite books, I had the opportunity to spend time with a Levitical priest before he died and let him teach me about Malachi. Malachi was an angel, a messenger from God. That's what Malachi actually means, messenger from God. Wasn't a prophet. Nobody knew where he came from, nobody where he went because there was no prophets then that would speak the truth. And do you know the first people he, Malachi got on to? He got on to the men and women of God. He got on to the, the priest. He said, you know what you're doing? You're leaving the wife of your youth. And God's not pleased with it. Matter of fact, he said, let me tell you what God's going to do. He's going to smear dung on your face and on your offspring. Boy, you, I don't know why this keeps coming up. It may be, it must be for somebody because if you got wandering eyes right now, you better get them back in your head. Amen. Amen. And if you've already gone too far, find yourself another man of God and admit it and quit it. Hear me. The second people group was Judah. Who's Judah? Come on, you, you Bible scholars, tell me who Judah is. I'm not condemnation. There's no trick question. Who's Judah? The worshipers. The psalmist. 
Who, who went first in battle? The radical worship. And he said to Judah, he said, I have something against you because you have offered an abomination on my altar. He said, you begin to entertain people more than worship me. How much can you pay me to sing? God help us. And then he got mad at the people. You know what he got mad at the people for? They stopped tithing and giving. But why did they stop tithing and giving? Because the priest was, 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 um, uh, got to clean this up a little bit. Uh, they were whoring around. And the worshipers were entertaining for money. He said, but now listen to me. And we quote, we quote 10 and 11 every, every time we take tithes and offering up at our church. Listen, he said this. He said, see if, try me, try me, try me. Try me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Try me and see if I won't rebuke the devourer for your sake. Wow. Things start happening. I automatically got, go to my wife and we've been paying our tithes. Now sometimes there's tests. But listen to me today. We better know we have radical worship and it better be from the heart because the Bible says that in the last day there will be people that will worship me with their mouth but their heart is far from me. And I'm not hard on, I love worshipers. I just want them to worship. Come on, worshipers. Come on. Y'all get up here and worship. Because we know what we're going to do for a few minutes. Nobody leave. But just give me a minute. Just, can you give me a minute more? I want you to stand just where you're at. Matter of fact, I want everybody, everybody, I don't care who you are, if you're in this building, I want you to come and stand up around the front. Don't leave.